Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. My name is Sam Fain, and I am your host, and I'm flying solo this week. That's because we have an episode of archival content from our interview with Mark James, the noted Memphis wrestling historian, all-around wrestling historian, uh, and a big help to the game, not only providing some information that I know helped the Legends team, but also, of course, hooking me up with Lance Russell's son in order to get Lance Russell into the game. So, um, you know, certainly owe him a great deal of thanks for all of that, uh, but also uh, for participating in this interview, which was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that particular episode, producing that episode. Of course, we made some edits and cuts here and there because at the time the episode dropped, and not all of the names for the set had been announced. So we have basically the the rest of the story, if you will. All of the bits that got left out from that initial interview will be in this particular episode. Uh, it's short. There's not a whole lot that we left on the cutting room floor, but uh, there's some really good stuff, uh, some good conversation that took place, and uh, I, I think that people really enjoy it. Uh, we thought about kind of including them in the episodes as as we went along and announced the new names, but logistically, it, it just it turned out that it wasn't quite as solid of a plan as we thought it was. A lot of that had to do with the fact that our, our discussion was pretty freewheeling, so there were times when we'd be talking about one talent and then another talent would kind of get brought into the discussion. So for that reason, we kind of uh, decided to, to hold back and release this episode in between uh, Christmas and New Year's uh, since we wanted to kind of take the, the week off. Uh, funny enough, we didn't have the week entirely off, though. Uh, the Uncharted Territory crew invited us on to their show to do a special Legends Year in Review, uh, which I'm really looking forward to people hearing. It was such a blast to be on the show. Uh, so huge thanks to Chad and Corey and Tim and Stu for having Mike, Todd, and myself on the show. I really enjoyed that discussion. I really enjoyed being a, a part of their podcast. I think Uncharted Territory, uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it, it, it legitimately is the only podcast that I listen to regularly right now. Uh, I have a couple that, that I've started to kind of get a little bit more into that aren't wrestling related. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope that you uh, enjoy that episode because I, I know that we had a lot of fun uh, being a part of it. Uh, I also wanted to take a moment just to kind of look back on the year uh, from the perspective of being the host of this show. Um, we started in March of this year, 2021. And it's been uh, an incredible ride for me. Now, uh, as most of you probably know, uh, Todd and Mike and I actually started podcasting together on my old King of Pro Wrestling podcast um, over three years ago. Uh, the first Phil Singer Games-related episode uh, for King of Pro Wrestling was um, around August of 2018, I believe. And then we started, you know, kind of amping that up. And basically every quarter, um, you know, for 2019 um, and 2020, we had an episode, uh, which was which was great. I, I loved being able to do that. I loved having them on on that podcast, and it really kind of just laid the foundation for what Roll Up would become. It, early on, it became clear that this was something that we wanted to do. And uh, a lot of discussion and planning came into kind of realizing it. And I, you know, I think it really was kind of at my urging to, to say, hey, you know, we really should be doing this uh, officially, you know, we should have a Phil Singer Games branded podcast. Um, and of course, in the meantime, the wonderful thing is, you know, you had other uh, podcasts, you know, popping up on their own, including Uncharted Territory. Um, and then of course, uh, Grant's Phil Singer Games fan podcast. So, um, 
you know, there was obviously stuff out there. There had been stuff before, obviously. Uh, you know, Mark Ashby uh, had had his uh, zone of lawlessness, and then there had been Wiggy's podcast, and, you know, there had been other things that had happened uh, prior to King of Pro Wrestling. Um, but at the time, you know, when, when we started doing the King of Pro Wrestling stuff, there wasn't anything. Um, and so, you know, here we are now, you know, three years later, and there's, you know, at least five uh, Phil Certain Games-related podcasts that I can kind of think of off the top of my head. Uh, which we'll talk a little bit more uh, about later. So the journey to getting Roll Up off the ground was something that uh, I'm so glad came to to fruition. And the journey itself was a heck of a lot of fun because I, I got to learn so much more about uh, you know the behind the scenes process of the creation of the game and talk with creators uh, and, and then fellow players and and do things that I had never really done before. You know the extent really of my um, foray into the fandom had been posting my feds on the message boards, which is something I've been doing for, you know, probably about 10 years off and on. And, uh, you know, even more than that, really. Um, and, and participating in the bootleg scene and kind of the, you know, the early 2000, 1999, 2000, uh, was when I kind of got started into that. So, you know, for the past 21, 22 years, um, I've been involved in the fandom in a very kind of, um, peripheral sort of way. You know, I haven't been, um, involved in, in this respect, certainly. And so it's been, it's been great to become more involved. And, uh, I can't thank Todd and Mike enough for, you know, having, having me, uh, around for, for this and for, you know, being able to, you know, kind of MC the cons and the virtual cons and do some of the interviews. It's been, it's been a blast. And, and really, you know, all of that said, that's kind of what led us to roll up. And now here we are, you know, uh, not quite 52 episodes in, but with, with a year, uh, almost under our belt. And, there's certainly no end in sight. It's been so much fun being able to do some of the things that we've done uh, over the past year, uh, whether it's our character spotlights, which kicked off with Star Warrior, uh, and of course we also did a Thantos episode as well, uh, our Legend spotlights, which have included Macho Man Randy Savage and Midnight Express, um, all of the creator interviews, uh, you know, whether it's been Rob Bobian or Tom Filsinger himself uh, or Mike Molesky, um, and obviously the Indies team like Zeke and Ty, you know, having those those guys on the show has been, um, it's just been so gratifying to me, uh, because I've always been so interested in the creative process and, you know, even removed from the game. Uh, but then getting to kind of focus in on the game has been a heck of a lot of fun. And I know I've learned so much about, uh, statting cards and, and the way that the stories are kind of told and laid out, um, <clears throat> which is, which has been really I think a lot of fun to share with the community. And, and I know that the response that we've had to those episodes in particular has always been great. Um, you know, it hasn't just been obviously people involved with the game though. We've had the opportunity to have guys like Dylan Hales from IWTV and Southern Underground Pro and Action uh, and, and numerous other indie promotions, especially in the South and Southeast. Uh, you know, Dylan was our first guest on the show uh, and it was such a blast to talk to him. Um, he shared with us the phrase that, you know, sometimes you, you got to think with your PWI brain, sometimes you got to think with your observer brain. And that was something that I 
I, you know, had been doing, but didn't have the words to articulate it. And so uh, that's a phrase I've used quite a few times since that discussion back in April. Um, If you haven't heard that episode, I I strongly, strongly encourage you to go check it out. Uh, It it was just a a really illuminating um, discussion about the indie scene today um, and professional wrestling in general, because I think, you know, more than ever, the independent wrestling scene is, is affecting and I think changing pro wrestling in the United States and North America, especially on the whole. Um, and you know, even globally, I mean, there are guys who were basically bona fide indie stars who are now in Japan. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at somebody like Jeff Cobb or you look at somebody like Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, those guys are indies guys. You, you know, they, they were doing the indie scene and, and, and now they're, you know, in, in one of the biggest promotions on the face of the planet um, and, and have gone quite far and will kind of, you know, continue to go far, I, I, I think. Um so I, again, Dylan Hales was, was awesome to be able to talk to him. Uh, and then of course our promoter spotlight, which was something that I think that, you know, was pretty near and dear to, to our hearts. Todd and I had talked about doing that even before we started the podcast. We wanted that to be a regular segment and the people that we've been able to have on the show, uh, have just, it, it's been, it's been so cool, you know, to talk to people like Pike Mojo and, and, um, you know, and, and Mike Fortune, uh, and Jack Duracos, and, uh, um, uh, you know, Pariah. I mean, it's just been such a great time. Of course, I'm using, you know, mostly discussion board names just, you know, for ease of looking them up on the discussion boards, but uh, we, we called them by their real name when they were on the show. <laughs> and uh, I, I love talking to other promoters, hearing other promoters' stories. Um, of course, we've done some roundtable discussions, whether it was talking about Galacticon, um, which we did kind of our Road to Galacticon series, which was a lot of fun. Uh, looking back at the history of Galacticon, uh, talking about the first, you know, Galacticon, um, the early Galacticons, which I didn't know a whole lot about. Uh, you know, those those first like five years in particular, I was pretty oblivious to. It wasn't until like you know ninety eight, ninety nine, um, when I started subscribing to the promoter and, and getting a little bit more involved with the guest book and uh, the message boards that I started to learn more. Um, about the cons, and unfortunately, I'd never attended one until that first virtual con. So uh, it, it really was uh, an education for me, and I'm sure for a lot of other people. And it was so cool to talk to people that have been involved in the game since day one, pretty much. You know, people who have uh, one of those one of those rare first 500 sets, uh, coveted first 500 sets. So um, I, I loved having the opportunity to do that. And then, of course, you know, when you've got the tournament master as your co-host, you can't get away with not doing some tournaments. Uh, the tournaments have been so much fun, uh, whether it was the Tournament of Planets, uh, the Indies tournament that we did, the, the Gladiator tournament that we did. I mean, it's just been uh, fun to be able to, to do different segments and, and, and kind of start to lay the groundwork for how we want to shape the show going forward. Forward. And that's not to say that this past year has been a trial run by any stretch. Uh, I feel like we've, you know, we've done some good work, but I think that uh, we've learned a lot. And there's been times where, you know, whether it's due to a baby on the way or release season or working on this or that or whatever the case may be, uh, I'll be completely frank. I know that I got a little lazy on a couple of occasions, um, particularly with the formatting of the show. And that's something that I'd love to tighten up in the future to give you guys, uh, you know, not necessarily a tighter show in terms of, of length, because I do think that, you know, sometimes we're going to have episodes that are an hour and sometimes we're going to have episodes that are two and a half hours. And I think that that's okay. Uh, I, I think that the, you know, the discussion and debate over the length of podcasts as far 
far as I'm concerned, is a moot one at this point that, that, uh, you know, podcasts are going to be however long they're going to be. And there are so many out there that I listen to, that I have listened to, that I've participated in, where that is truthfully the case. You know, there, there is no set runtime for a lot of podcasts out there. Uh, and, 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 and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be that way. Um, I think in general, we're going to try and get in and out in about an hour and a half. Uh, and then sometimes you'll get an episode like today, which will be a heck of a lot shorter. But, um, that said, there's going to be some big ones too. Uh, so I'd love to tighten up the format a little bit and give you guys the segments, uh, in a little bit more of an orderly fashion, uh, and, and certainly not forget, uh, the shout outs and, and, and other little things, um, that some of our, our other podcasters uh, do so well. Um, but this, this past year, this endeavor roll up, I, I think has been something that, um, we wanted to, give a platform to the team, um, you know, wanted to be able to have those check-ins with FedHQ, wanted Todd and Mike to be able to let the fans and promoters know what's going on in a more direct fashion than, you know, uh, a teaser on the website or, you know, a random message on the, on the discussion board, um, that, that, that we wanted this to kind of be the direct pipeline for your news and information direct from FedHQ, uh, as well as being an opportunity to talk about things a little bit more in depth, um, whether it has to do with the history of the game, the history of the fandom, uh, or of course those opportunities when we get to talk to somebody like Mark James or Dylan Hales or, you know, some talent, which we've got some, some interviews lined up for the new year, which I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. Um, I think, you know, as, as we do kind of wrap up 2021, um, and think about everything that has, has happened over the past couple of years that I hope roll up also contributes to that continuing growth of the community and the sense of community and fellowship that I feel like we have now more than ever. Um, and I, I don't say that just because I feel more a part of it than ever. Uh, I, I say that because I think a lot of people do. And while there are certainly folks that have been around for a long time and, and been a part of that for a long time and have, you know, had uh, lifelong friendships form out of this game, that it seems to me that the community that we have right now now and the people that, you know, keep coming around, keep hanging around, uh, are a little bit closer, uh, after the past couple of years. And that's something else that I think we wanted to accomplish with the podcast. So all of that said, um, I, I'm just grateful for everyone who's joined us, um, over the past year, um, and, and grateful for the welcome that I've received from Todd and Mike and the Legends crew and Tom uh, and, and, and Rob. Um, you know, it's been great to be a part of, of this. Um, and of course, the welcome that all of you have, have given me as well. Um, the, the feedback that I've received from the cons and from the podcast has, has been, um, it's been helpful. It really, really has, you know, and, and there's no comment or critique or anything that, that goes unnoticed or unnoted. Uh, I, I really want to try to make this the, the, the best outlet possible, um, for, for our favorite game. Um, 
So everyone who's joined us over the past year, again, I thank you so much. Whether you're on the show, you're listening, um, you know, downloading, responding on the message boards. Uh, I, I look forward to continuing the conversation with you all in the new year um, and, and being a little bit more direct in that communication going forward. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to starting the journey on FTR with Todd. Um, that's something that we'll try to give you frequent updates about, you know, without without spoiling anything, certainly give you kind of a look into the creative process uh, on occasion. And of course, continue, you know, checking in with, with Mike and Rob and Tom uh, and the Legends crew when we get the opportunity. You know, they're doing such a great job over on Uncharted Territory that we haven't had an opportunity um, recently to, to really talk to them other than at the virtual cons. So I think getting to do their show um, this week was you know, it was something that we'd wanted to do, whether it was on their show or our show, uh, for a while. So I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do that. And hopefully we'll get the opportunity to have more crossovers in the future. Uh, and, uh, I think that, 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 you know, we'll all benefit from it because I know I always learn a lot during those conversations. Um, I'd love to hear uh, some of your favorite moments or episodes um, uh, from the past year, if you, if you have any. Um, so please, on the discussion board, let us know what you liked. Let us know what you'd like more of. Um, you know, if, if you want more promoter spotlights, if you want more legend spotlights, character spotlights, that sort of thing. Um, it, you know, if you want more guests uh, from the industry. Um, you know, let us know. Um, we, we certainly have some, some resources here and there that we can reach out to people and hopefully get some people on the show um, and, and do some, some cool interviews uh, for you guys. And, and, and of course, you know, if, if we do announce an interview or we announce something and there's a question you want asked, uh, don't be shy. You know, feel free to send me a direct message. You can always do that. Reach out to me. If I don't respond right away, you know, I, I, I have a two-month-old in the house, so uh, uh, my time is not always my own. Um, I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. The, the holiday season is my favorite time of year. Um, sometimes I, I find myself with a post-Christmas blues. That is not the case this year. Uh, I am still feeling very much uh, riding the, the wave of, of holiday spirit, and I think part of that has to do, of course, with having a three-and-a-half-year-old and seeing the way that she has just enjoyed this time of year and enjoyed Christmas morning. Um, so, so I'm still, I'm still in it, still in the holiday mood. And I hope everyone has an incredibly happy and safe new year. Um, take care of yourselves, take care of one another. Um, I'll be back briefly after the interview uh, with Mark is over, but in the meantime, enjoy, uh, the, the, the pieces that got left on the cutting room floor with Mr. Mark James, Memphis wrestling historian. Another guy that we've we've talked a little bit about and mentioned a couple of times that will be released in this set is Coco Ware. Um, he had a you know more of a sort of WWF themed release, uh, Coco Beware with you know Frankie the Bird and everything uh, prior to this one, but now he's going to get a, a Memphis release. Um, you know, for those that that don't know, because he did get that bigger stage and a lot of people I think probably know him from that. Um, talk about the differences with Coco Ware in Memphis because he wrestled both babyface and heel. He did some, you know, he he did a lot of stuff down there that was very very different from anything that he ended up doing in WWF. Oh, definitely. He uh, he had started out in the late 70s as a babyface, and he was a prelim guy because he just got into business, and he was doing okay. He was in the bottom of the cart. 1981, uh, he Lawler was having a loser-leave-town match with Dream Machine, Troy Graham, 
and he turned in the match. He was the referee, and he turned in the match, and Lawler lost, and he counted one, two, three, and fans were mad, and he went with Jimmy Hart, switched to the name Sweet Brown Sugar, mm-hmm. shaved his head, <laughs> and started. He was probably a heel for two years, and then he turned on Hart and became you know back to Coco Ware. And had a feud with Hart and Hart's guys, Bobby Eaton, Stan Lane, all those guys. Well, Stan wouldn't. No, not Stan then. He had had Stan before and Stan turned baby. But he had, uh, they put the Mid-America title on him in Memphis, and he was upper mid-card. They, uh, then even he was getting some main event shots. He uh, lost the title to Bobby Eaton and lost the match, and it was a Lizard Leap Town match. So he left town, came back as Stagger Lee for Memphis. <laughs> Same way uh, JYD had done it down for Watts, he did it in Memphis. And uh, it got over huge in Memphis. And uh, so much so that uh, he was, like I said, getting main event shots. He he teamed with Lawler and Funk against the Bruce Brothers and uh, Bobby Eaton in Memphis in the main event. The next week, the main event was Lawler, uh uh, Stagger Lee and Andre the Giant against the Bruce Brothers and Bobby Eaton. So he was getting a major, major push with that. And uh, it worked. I mean, he st- then from there he went and started teaming, I don't know, about a little, I don't know, maybe a year later with uh, Norvell Austin. They became the PYTs, Pretty Young Things, based on the Michael Jackson song. Uh, he he had one of the best drop kicks I've ever seen. You know, people talk about Tommy Rogers' drop kick, Brad Armstrong's, uh, and and he's not the tallest guy. Yeah. But I saw. I mean, someone could be sitting on the top turnbuckle, sitting on it, and I saw him drop kick him in the chin. Wow. He could jump like nobody could jump, and just the most amazing thing you ever saw. His brain buster that he did was amazing. Yeah. Uh, he started doing that in Memphis originally, and. He uh he was just he did well. Then he went to WWE, I mean WWF, and uh became the Birdman. <laughs> so he uh yeah, fans love Coco. They always did. They always did. He and he he did really, really well here. You know, one thing we didn't really talk about with the Moondogs, and uh, I'd like to actually talk briefly about with, with Coco, is that, you know, he came back. Um, and one thing that we didn't really get to with Memphis in general is that, um, y- you know, during sort of the national expansion for the WWF, a lot of the territories were trying to figure out what they were going to do. And one of the things that, you know, that Jerry Jarrett ended up doing was, you know, kind of rebranding. The, the, the territory a little bit, uh, you know, giving it a new name, elevating the title to like a world championship, working with AWA, uh, and eventually with the acquisition of world class down in Texas, forming the USWA. Um, and, and Coco came back in the nineties when it was the USWA. Um, talk a little bit about like his return and, and, and just a little bit about the USWA in general, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, it was, they had tried. Well, let's let's see how do you describe it. The territory system was drying up. I mean, a lot were gone by then, by the late eighties, eighty eight ish, eighty nine, and Jarrett was working with them, trying to the ones left. He had. Um, Championship Wrestling from Florida was still around. I forget who owned that. But you had that. You had Vern. You had 
Jared, obviously, you had world class, and he was running world class at the time. And they would, he was trying to bring those old guys together, and that's what the forming of the USWA was. The Memphis section, I think, was at the time was still called CWA before it all fractured off. Uh, and the the pay per view they did was uh, Super Clash Three for the AWA. And you know, at that time, Lawler was the AWA World Champ. That sort of fell apart. The the, the Texas part fell apart when the Monarchs, when Jarrett got him out of debt and everything, all the bills were paid and everything was going good. The boys kind of said, "No, we want it back now." Hmm. So they took it back, and so Jarrett pulled out. Uh, I think I'm not sure how long Florida stayed around, but then Vern, you know, they they didn't pay Lawler for the pay per view, and that was where the problem was. Lawler, right. you know, took the title. They they said, "Well, we're suspending you." I said, "Fine, I'll take the title as payment." And he kept the title, the world title, never gave it back. Uh, then around right after that, I want to say it was. I think immediately after the, the uh, January, February of 1989, that's when Jarrett formed uh, the USWA, United States Wrestling Association. And uh, with that premise that it was all different things together, even though a lot of them were off of it, off the table now. And it was new, it was different, and it was tr- a try to kind of be a, a national thing. But not, I mean, they weren't going around the country. Right. It was more of a on TV thing, looking at it thing, reading it thing, than a factual thing. And uh, they brought a lot of people in. Um, you still had a lot of guys who weren't. The, the only games in town were really were still were, you know, WCW at the time and WWF. So there were some people that weren't associated with that that they could bring in. You had guys leaving WWF or this or that. You had. Uh, JYD, Terry Funk, Dick Murdoch, some other guys who would just who would get out of one of them and then have free time. Then they'd come up there. They were still doing some other things around that time uh, with different territories and whatnot. But it was it was rough going, and it, it just it stayed USW. They never reverted back away from that. And actually, yeah. by the time Jarrett got out of it later in the 90s uh it was still USWA. Yeah. It, you know it's interesting because you know reading a little bit about it and I haven't seen a whole lot of this but reading a little bit about some of the things that they did is that it's almost like they had um you know some some sort of working agreements with with other promotions even WWF at one point because they were sending people down including like like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and you know some big name Undertaker would come down um, oh, yeah, Owen uh yeah. Yokozuna Luger and, uh, yeah that was 92 93 94 93 94 92 94 something like that yeah they were doing that uh still at the Coliseum doing those matches um and, and it was it, it Memphis, with it being one of the last territories, they still needed a farm league, so to speak. Right. They needed to, to it, you know, the one thing it's talked about is Vince McMahon being a villain yeah. that started in Memphis. I was they just getting ready to say that. Jarrett was working with him. He said, look, come on down. Let's get you some TV time. You be the bad guy against Lawler, you know, on these interviews and whatnot. And so, the, you know, the evil Mr. McMahon started in Memphis back in the early 90s. You know, here's kind of a random question uh, that that's rolls off of that. But uh, how much truth or, or do you know for certain? Because I think that there's been a little bit of, 
you know, I, I think even from what I've heard, like even, you know, Jarrett's been a little cagey about it, but how much truth do you think there was to the rumor that when Vince was on the steroid trial was happening and he thought he might go to jail, that he had basically picked Jerry Jarrett to, to run the WWF if he went to jail? I believe it. Yeah. I mean, Jarrett told me that, uh, and I believed it. Yeah. Uh, I believe he believed it. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it's not just him saying. I really, truly believe he believed that. Uh, and you can look at all the things Jared did when he was up there. Right. He's the first guy that started putting handcuffs, handcuffing expenses because they were just bleeding money. Yeah. And you know, Jared knew how to, you know, cut things out that didn't need to be done, and he started doing that. And uh, you know, and as far as the wrestling side, you look at it before Jared. How many champions did they have that were tiny? Right, right. A la Bret Hart, a la Shawn Michaels. It's like you've got half the guys on your roster who will never be a champion and never make you money because the main event guys are the ones that make you the money. It's like because you don't put guys their size, the belt on them. Right. And, it, you know, it, it, it just, he's the guy that started showing them the budget matters. Yeah. You can get your budget under control. You can keep more of that money. So I really believe it was the way it was. Uh, and you got to look at it. Oh, it wasn't that way. It wasn't that way. Well, you got to look at it. Up until that point, the government had never lost a big federal trial to anybody. Mm. Vince was the first. And so he thought he was going, everybody thought he was going to jail. Yeah. And I, I hey, Bruce Pritchard wants to say otherwise and Patterson otherwise. And that's fine. For him. I have no issue with what they're saying. Sure. I just truly believe what Jarrett was told was what he said he was told. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would certainly have a tendency to to to, to completely believe that too. It's what I've it's what I've believed. You know, I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, like you said, he 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 was told that, and that's what he believed. And whether or not that would have happened, or whether or not Vince, you, you know, would have done something else or whatever, who knows for certain. But it's certainly, you know, it, at the very least, I think it it, it holds a lot of weight. Um, I think that, you know, the other thing is too, talking about kind of the, the, the villainous Mr. McMahon character and, and, and Jerry Jarrett kind of seeing that in Vince and being able to kind of harness that in Memphis before it exploded, you know, on Monday nights, um, uh-huh. is, is that you look at the attitude era in general and there is without a doubt a huge influence, uh, from Memphis like oh, yeah. the the stuff that they were doing is is you know was was sure maybe kicked up a little notch a little racier perhaps at times but like it was still I think very influenced by what Memphis had been doing for decades. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally do. Uh, you know, I mean th- that personal side it was all personal. Yeah. You know, th- I mean it's the whole the feud between Stone Cold and Vince. It was personal from day one, and right. it worked. Um, so just, just real quickly, I want to go through a couple of these other names here and a couple of them will probably take a little longer than others, but maybe, maybe not. Uh, so one of the names being released and it's, in my opinion, it's an interesting one because I know he wasn't necessarily there a long time, but 
considering the impact that he and his family had, I think, on Memphis at one time, it's interesting because we already have Randy Savage in the game. Uh-huh. Um, it's, you know, it's one of the kind of the headline cards for the for the original set. But now his yeah. brother, Lanny Poffo, is going to be getting a color card in this mm-hmm. Memphis set. Um, so talk a little bit about Lanny and maybe even touch a little bit on, you know, Savage and, 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 and you know, the Poffo family and kind of the feud between, you know, them and Memphis wrestling. Yeah, the uh, 79, 80, 81, 82, they were running ICW in Kentucky, which is north of Tennessee, runs along right above Tennessee, and they were an outlaw promotion. By the time, I don't know, by 82, uh, Savage on the show would literally call out Lawler, Jarrett, Dundee, challenging the matches, say, we'll give you $10,000 if you show up for the match, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> of course, they're never going to do it. Jared's philosophy was don't acknowledge them, don't give them any credence, don't let them know, you know, just we're not going to send fans over to look at them. And they would literally, you know, 15 minutes of every episode of their one-hour show, Savage would talk about Memphis guys. <laughs> it's a crazy, he's giving them free publicity. And right. so it's like, let them do it. Anyways, the, the, they never acknowledged, they never did. Anyways, by the late I want to say late 83, they had shut down after they, Jarrett found out they shut down and he called Randy says, why don't you guys come in? You, your dad and Lanny. So he called Randy. What are you saying? Return. We've been bad. He says, let's make money off of it. <laughs> you guys want to invade? Let's do an invasion angle. I'll let NWO. Let's do an invasion. You, your dad, go come in on a Saturday morning show, right in the middle of the show and just bust in and say you're here and you're going to, do this and that and they did it and it really was good you can see it on that all that's the good thing is that's on youtube to watch uh and you can see it and they came in and uh, it led to a feud great feud and they ended up staying uh i want to say lanny stayed probably close to a year i think he went down to mid-south watts when uh dundee went down in december of 83 Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. He came to Memphis first. So he was in Memphis for about a year, then ended up going down after about a year in late December of 84, I'm going to say. Okay, okay. I might be wrong. It doesn't matter. Uh, They were in Memphis, and it was great. They were heels for a long time. Then they ended up going and becoming uh, baby faces. Lawler teamed with Savage, and Lanny had teamed with a couple guys. And... he was great. I mean, he was there probably a year, I want to say. But, no, he made a big impact. Uh, I remember the match with Lanny and Savage against the Rock and Roll Express. And Savage pile-drived Ricky Morton through a wooden table. Mm-hmm. And they took that around the whole territory. And they, and the match would go on. They'd take him outside the buildings, wherever, and pile-drive him through. If there wasn't a table, they'd pile-drive him through the windshield of a car. Wow. So, yeah, the fans remembered Lanny. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know it's amazing too because I've heard this a few different times uh, from from Jerry Jarrett in interviews um, that he always had a lot of respect for Randy because when he got uh, the offer to go work for Vince, uh, he you know he he said that he had to finish up the right mm-hmm. way, uh, and not and not everybody did that. Not everybody did that. No, 
No, nope, heart didn't. Yeah, yeah. Now another guy um, that uh, I think didn't spend quite as long in the territory, but uh, certainly someone that uh, I think just in wrestling in general, um, you know, is a name that a lot of folks know, and he, he you know worked for various companies, WCW, ECW, and and I know that he like he would kind of go away and come back. Um, and that's Tracy Smothers. Um, and Tracy got his start in Memphis, right? He, that that was basically where he broke in. Yeah. I want to say 86, 87 ish. If memory works right. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he was the, uh, the wild out Southern boy, Tracy (laughs) Smothers back then. Great young baby face, great wrestler, great ring, great interviews, fired up guy, lots of energy. And was perfect for wrestling. Uh, he came through then, was there a year or two, uh, moved on, came back. Uh, when they, when Jim Cornette's SMW closed up, they did a feud with USWA and they, he came back in with those guys and did it again. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, yeah. He was one of the guys that came from SMW and when they were doing that, it was, it worked really, really well. Uh, you know, he was always good in the ring. Never saw him do a bad match. Yeah. Great, great, great wrestler. It's you know it's funny because uh, when he unfortunately passed, uh, there were a lot of guys, and CM Punk is one of the first one that that jumps into my mind, uh, who you know were not of that generation, um, but but immediately kind of like took to social media and talked about how important you know Tracy Smothers was to them, like going into a locker room and like sitting there and learning from a guy like Tracy Smothers, and 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 then also you know having the chance to get in the ring with him, um, and obviously this would have been when he was older and. He, you know, yeah. had been around for, you know, 15, 20 years at that point. But, um, you know, to, just to hear the respect that he was given from, you know, from a guy like CM Punk and others uh, who, are, who are younger uh, on the scene, obviously, I thought was just really cool um, and a testament to the fact that sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily the size of somebody's bank account or how many DVDs they have out uh, mm-hmm. that, that can really tell you the impact that they have on the business and the future of the business. Um, yep. And it's, it's, you know, it's what they do uh, backstage. It's what they do, what they do in those dressing rooms and those locker rooms. Absolutely. No, he was, he was legit. He was a real deal. Um, and then we got, we got two more names in the main set here. Uh, and I honestly don't know which one to go with first, but I think I'll go ahead and start with, uh, with wildfire, Tommy rich, uh, good old wildfire. <laughs> talk about Tommy rich. Tommy's great. Um, started out a Tennessee guy. Um, I guess it was 76. He made his debut here and, um, uh, it was the fans loved him. He's just one of those all shucks guys, and in that same vein, like Tracy Smothers, we talked about, he'd get fired up, mm. and that's kind of why you know wildfire fired up. It was easy to get him fired up, and he was good energy, good, good ring action, good, good everything all around. And uh, it, it, it's why he's you know been in the business for forty. 50 years now, 45 years, whatever. And uh, it's just, he was a solid worker. He could do it. That's why they put the NWA belt on him for a week, because he could do it. He He was worthy to carry it. Watching some of his interviews recently, um, when he and and Lawler were kind of... um, you know, basically feuding over the right to, to challenge Bachwinkle for the AWA title. Yep. Um, and, and, and some of those interviews are so fascinating because it's clear that when they, you know, when they started that, that, that deal, it was clear that they were both baby faces. 
But as you know, the weeks kind of went on, and you heard more and more of of, uh, of what Tommy Rich had to say. He, you know, you could tell he's getting a little bit more frustrated. He's getting a little bit more frustrated. He's getting, and and I love that it was that you know it felt like a slow burn watching those interviews. And here I am watching them like one after another. I can only imagine what it would have been like to you know weeks and weeks of watching that. Um, uh-huh. And I love the way that he was able to kind of straddle that line. And you saw it even when he go when he would go into the ring that you know that the fans would kind of be cheering him, but there'd be some that weren't so sure and you know and then yeah, throughout and the course still, and against law he still had a large amount of fans cheering him yeah even when he was the bad guy yeah that's a, it is it's pretty it's pretty amazing um and, and yeah incredibly talented guy i mean there's no there's no denying that and somebody that you know i think uh uh, it happened for him so young and, and people can talk all they want about, you know, why it didn't work out or why it did work out or whatever. But, uh, uh somebody again, who I, I think has just been, um, he has had a huge impact on, on, on wrestling in Memphis. And, uh, I'm super, super excited to have him, uh, oh, get, yeah. get, get a color card Great. in the game. Uh, and then the last name, which is kind of, you know, we, we really, when the set started out, we thought that the fabulous ones would be our headliners, you know, and, and really that's the great thing about this set is it's like you could have, you know, released Austin Idol and, and have him be the headliner. You could have released the fabulous ones and he's the headliner, you know, Dundee, the Moondogs, like it's, it's really just an incredible set of talent, roster of talent. Um, but the guy who I think we're kind of saving for last, uh, if you will, is Dutch Mantel. Uh, the Dutch <laughs> and I know you know Dutch pretty well. I, I believe you you helped him write a couple of his books, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put them out. It was very good books. Yeah, um, and uh, um, so talk. Yeah, talk a little bit about Dutch and about his impact on Memphis. Mm, they did a he the thing that always always pops in my mind is Jerry Lawler and him did a babyface feud back in uh, January through March of '82. It was. Uh, right before Andy Kaufman showed up mm. for the Lawler match. And they, it was amazing. Uh, I'd never seen a baby face sheet for both guys stayed baby face throughout the whole thing. Wow. And the fans were split 50, 50 wow. half like Lawler and half like Dutch. We were talking earlier about the Tommy Rich deal where a lot of the fans in 87, when he was a heel against Lawler stuck with them That Lawler Dutch feud, it was 50, 50 every week. And it was amazing. And that they were able to stay heels. Uh, just amazing. One of the best matches I've ever seen in my life was, it was the blow-off match for that feud. It was a barbed wire match between Lawler and Dutch. And wow. people always talk about, do you want to, you know, about tell the story in the match. Let the match tell the story. Yeah. It's the best example I've ever seen of that in a match. It tells the story start to finish. And Lawler got the pinfall at the end, but it was done in such a way that it allowed the F- Dutch to keep his his heat. It allowed him to keep him up near the top. Whereas wow. a lot of times, you know, the feud, the kill off, and the the end of the match, it's like, oh, the 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 guy got beats destroyed. All right, he's back down to the bottom of the ladder. This kept Dutch right at the top. It yeah. was done so well. So I highly recommend that match. Oh. Dutch just a great talker, great in ring. Uh, you know, I believe he originated the the lone wolf mentality, kind of mm-hmm. like the Stone Cold used, and all these other guys use now. The lone wolf, the original lone wolf, in my opinion, was Dutch Mantel. 
Yeah, yeah. He's such just a fascinating guy. He's got so many great stories, and and again, a guy who's had a huge impact on the business. I mean, he gave he gave Stone Cold Steve Austin his name. Well, not the Stone Cold part, but you know, he, he gave him Steve Austin. You know, so it, yeah. it's it's um, somebody that uh, I, I think I'm, I'm just thrilled to have a, as a part of the game. And uh, obviously, you know, as you say, had had a huge impact on on Memphis. Um, and, you know, would go on to do so many other things. And, and obviously, you know, we were talking about it briefly with, uh, with Tracy Smothers. He did a, you know, stint in, in Smoky Mountain as, as well. Um, and yeah, I, 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 just, I think Dutch is fascinating. Uh, I, I've always felt that way. And um, I actually don't have those books. So those will have to be next uh, on, on my. Uh, on my list. Uh, and, and I think, I think, I think after that, I, like I said, I'm, I'm inching my way closer and closer to just about having them all. But speaking of, uh, I, I want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about what you're doing right now. If there's anything else coming up on the pipeline, uh, you know, feel free to, to plug the website again and, and anything else that you're, that you're working on. Cause, uh, I'm sure that the people that have, that have listened would love to, you know, to hear more, see more, read more from you. Um, I, again, it's always been such a pleasure to read your material. And I, I think that there are few people I know that have spent, you know, as, as much time and been so passionate about putting together these histories of these different territories, whether it is obviously Memphis, which seems to be your first love, uh, uh, rightfully so, that's, you know, that's where you're from, but, uh, but also, you know, the stuff you've done with Crockett and Mid-South and AWA and Houston, your Houston book, I mean, man, that's one of my favorite books with the collection of programs, just seeing what Paul Bosch put together in like 82 and 83, it's, I love that book so much, um, but, but the Memphis books, the, the, you know, the 78 book, uh, the 82 book, um, there's just, the, the, those books are so great, you know, reading about the history of everything as it went down, especially with the, you know, the Jarrett split and, 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 and the formation of, of everything that they did and all the stuff he put together in his first year. It's, it's, it's just incredible stuff, Mark. And I'm such a big fan of yours. So I just want to give you the opportunity to tell everybody about what you've got going on, what you've got out there and how they can find you. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a book. It's, Nowhere near half done yet, but I am working on actually two books. So there is something in the pipeline. Can't really talk about it yet. Um, Sure. As far as my books that are done, most of them are on Amazon. Uh, Just go to markjamesbooks.com. It's got my book page on my website. It's got all the books listed. You click on it, and it'll take you to a link that'll take you to the Amazon page. Uh, Do some shirts, old Memphis shirts, markjamesshirts.com, markjamesshirt.com for two different sites. Uh... We, uh, hopefully more shows going to come up. We do love going and actually seeing and talking to the fans at shows. Uh, so hopefully that'll come around more. Uh, other than that, that, that's pretty much it for right now. Well, I, you know, I, I'm very excited. I can't wait to, to hear more about, uh, what, what's coming next and what you're working on. Um, again, I'm, I'm, you know, I really am a big fan and it was such a pleasure to meet you at, at all in and pick up a few books then, uh, and then just pick up more since then. Um, you know, I didn't even mention the Tuesday night at the gardens book, uh, which I know you did with uh, Jim Cornette. I, I think yep. that book is just that book. The thing that I love so much about the book, and I think I actually sent you a message, uh, telling you this at one point is that, you know, it does so much more than just talk about Tuesday night at the gardens. The, the early chapters of that book 
really kind of helped to set the table for just professional wrestling history in North America in general. And you get this great sense about how important Louisville was to the the tapestry of North American wrestling and the history of North American wrestling. And, you know, some of the big names that were coming through there, obviously, like, you know, Ed Lewis or, or Luthez. And uh, I, I mean, that's just another, I mean, I could, I could literally do an episode with you where we talk about each book individually over, you know, one episode <laughs> devoted to each book, because I, again, I, I, I'm, I'm such a fan and I, and I love your work um and you know i think that uh the you know this past year at the tragos fez uh professional wrestling hall of fame you were honored with the james c melby award um which recognizes excellence in professional wrestling writing or historical preservation and uh i think it's just incredibly well deserved um but the funny thing about that uh from my point of view is i uh, was supposed to be there, and I ended up sending you a message. Um, a while it was not that long before the event was supposed to take place, and you said you weren't going, and uh, and I was like, oh, that's too bad. It would have been nice to see you. And then just a week or two after that, I was talking with our friend at uh, the podcast, uh, Chad Olson, who's a member of the Legends team, and Chad does the uh, Uncharted Territory podcast as well. And uh, and Chad told me that you were going to be honored there, and I was like. I just asked him a couple of weeks ago. He was going. He said he wasn't. And he's like, well, he wasn't kayfabing you. He he didn't know because we just told him a couple of days ago. Uh, so I, I was I was too bad I couldn't be there. But I'm I'm so happy for you because again I think it's just richly deserved. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that it was a blast going there. Love being at that place. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm my plan is to I don't know if you're going to make it in 2022, but I'm I'm definitely going to be there in 2022. So if you're if you're there, I'll see you then. If not, maybe I'll I'll be able to catch you at some point down the road. But uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. I, I again I can't thank you enough, and I hope to do it again sometime. I really appreciate you having me on. It was a blast. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark. Take care of yourself. Okay. Thanks. Mm. There you have it. The the again the the cutting room floor uh, with Mr. Mark James. Uh, what, what else can I say? I mean, Mark has been, uh, just lovely to work with. Uh, I always enjoy talking to him. I always enjoy listening to his stories. You know, I mean, we didn't really prepare for that interview. It was literally just a phone call. I asked him whatever I wanted to ask him and the answers you heard, you know, I mean, the guy knows his stuff and, and clearly, you know, can, can go on, uh, about the subject and, uh, will go anywhere you want him to. I mean, that's the nice thing. There, there are certainly times in our conversation, you know, when he would say, do you want me to talk a little bit more about this or do you want, you know, and, and just to have that opportunity to talk to someone who's so knowledgeable about something so specific within the history of professional wrestling, uh, is, is a real thrill, a real blast. And, you know, there's some incredible wrestling historians out there working diligently to preserve the history of the business and, and Mark is one of those guys um, who, who has just produced so much that I think is incredibly valuable to you know any aficionado of professional wrestling, anyone who fancies themselves as kind of you know the armchair historian, um, even someone who fancies himself as a legit historian and wants to do their own research and wants to write their own book. Mark's books are, are incredible resources for that. Um, you know, this past year. Uh, I, I, I feel like because of the connections that I've made due to the game, past couple of years really, uh, I, I've continued to learn so much about the history of wrestling. Um, things that I never you know, knew or, or I'd heard a little bit about and wanted to know more about but didn't know where to look. And that's really opened up to me over the past couple of years. Um, you know, Names like Rock Rims, uh, whose books are just phenomenal. Um, uh, you know, I cannot recommend his, his work enough. Um, just 
check out any one of his books and you will not be disappointed. Um, I, you know, I, I can't I can't thank a guy like Chad Olson enough for suggesting books, uh, providing me with some you know some some material, uh, and, and the conversations that that I've gotten to have with him uh, about the game, about stats, uh, not about the game, about wrestling. Um, it, you know, he, he's become a, a good friend and and certainly a great resource for me, and I really appreciate that. Uh, the conversations that I've gotten to have with Rob Obian about um, statting cards and telling stories with cards and 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 the way that you know he I, I think kind of plots things out so well and 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 the the methods that that he uses to kind of get that across um you know really cool and and it reminds me sometimes of like songwriters you know it's like what comes first the lyrics or the music and you know sometimes it's lyrics sometimes it's the music some people say it's always the lyrics some people say it's always the music and I I think that you know it's similar with cards you know it's like does the story come first do the stats come first do the stats dictate the story does the story dictate the stats and those types of conversations that you know I've gotten to have with Rob have been incredibly illuminating so I'm grateful for for those um, without a doubt um you know, I could go on and on, and I'm sure that there will be times to express uh, my gratitude to uh, other people in the community. Um, but I, I will say um, that I'm grateful again to the Uncharted Territory crew. I love what they do. Uh, Chad, Corey, Stu, and Tim, thank you guys so much for all of your work, not only uh, on the podcast, but of course all of the hard work um, that, that just shows with each and every Legends expansion set that we get. Um, we've been so incredibly lucky with some of the names that have been released this year, whether it's been the Vintage set, which just, I mean, is such an incredible piece. Uh, it's a time capsule. Um, it's a wonderful history lesson. Names that might not necessarily be known to some players um, or, 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 you know, only, you know, snatches uh, of, of information here and there. I think to put the spotlight on that talent is, is phenomenal. Um, Atrego Synthes said, obviously, I mean, Bob Backlund, Kurt Angle, you know, come on, Gorilla Monsoon, you know, Thunderbolt Patterson, that set is just so incredible. And the Trago Synthes sets in general, I think, have been, uh, you know, some of the highlights and high points of Phil Singer Games the past couple of years. And that relationship, I know, has certainly borne some, some amazing fruit. So I look forward uh, to, to more, hopefully, from that. Um, you know, and then, of course, this Memphis set. And that's not even, you know, the we got the ringside personnel set with the Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan card. We got the uh, um, the Portland set um, with the Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, uh, you know, and then, of course, this Memphis set, which is just an incredible, incredible piece. I know has had a lot of fans very, very, very excited. Uh, uh, and I know that the Ringside Companion is, is coming soon, and, and it's going to be well worth the wait. Um, so all the work that you guys do, uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, you know, our, our other uh, podcasters out there, uh, Grant and, and Brock and, and Dave Little and Lee Longpree, like, you know, the, the work that you guys do and, and the effort um, that, that's made, um, whether it's in the podcast or some of the other work that you, you, know, that you do, uh, again, it's such a wonderful addition to the community. Um, it's inspiring. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely something that, that keeps me on my toes and keeps me thinking, like, you know, how can we get better? How can we, you know, do more? You know, what, what do we need to do to, to, to help, you know, raise the bar and, and, and set that standard just as well as, as you all do. So I thank you so much for your work. The community in general, all of the people that I've been able to meet and talk to over the past couple of years, um, 
you know, I'm just so, so grateful for so many names. Um, and, uh, you know, Zeke, uh, has been somebody that I, even before I kind of knew him as, as, as a, as a creator and was able to kind of interview him and, and, and all that sort of stuff as a guy who came out to Chicago and went to a wrestling show with me so we could see, you know, Naito here in the United States. And, and, uh, you know, who does that? Well, Zeke does that. And, uh, it was a great conversation, uh, getting to know him that night and it's continued, uh, every time I get to speak to him. So, uh, you know, I'm grateful for a guy like that. Um, you know, getting to know Ty better this year and the work that he does, obviously, on the women's sets and working with him a little bit more closely on this last women's set is so gratifying and, and just so cool to be able to be a part of that. And I love women's wrestling, being in Chicago and getting to go to Shimmer shows for years now to be able to kind of, you know, also be a part of the team on that has been uh, has been really cool. And, and getting to work with him and, and know him better has been awesome. Um there's there's too many names to mention. Um, you know, I'll give I'll give some shout outs. Uh, repeat some some names that I've said before. But you know, guys like uh, um, Pariah and, and Pike Mojo and you know Mike Fortune and Jack Duracos and uh, you, you know just just the, the names go on and on. Kevin Butcher. Um, getting to talk to Mark Ashby was was so much fun. I mean, here's a guy that I, I had known of for years, you know, because of the CPC stuff and the Zone of Lawlessness, and you, you know, getting the opportunity to like talk to him. I felt like, man, you know, the, this guy. I don't know that he fully registers sometimes how important he is to this community, even, you know, years later. Um, and, and I really enjoyed, you know, having the opportunity to have him on and talk with him. Uh, I loved, I loved, you know, talking with Brock and meeting Brock. I, you know, I'd never really had the opportunity to, um, to, to have much communication with him before, but it was so cool to, to be able to just sit down and, and, and have that conversation that we had and, you know, uh, for him to be able to kind of pay tribute to his dad and, and talk about all the stuff that he's been doing and, and, and all of his bootlegs and his Twitch stream. I mean, it was just so cool. Um, you know, Brockster builds, check it out. It's, it's definitely worth it. And, you know, he's having a heck of a lot of fun and I know that he and Mike fortune have been doing some really cool stuff as well. Um, with, with their kind of their character spotlights. So I look forward to more, more from them. Um, Barry Walsh, Malice Lover, you, you know, getting, getting to know him, uh, has been great. Uh, he's, he's a fun guy. He's, he's clearly, you know, invested in the game, driven, uh, to, to invest in the game, uh, quite literally. And, uh, I think has, has, has certainly kind of, uh, raised the bar, maybe skewed the market a little bit. Who knows? We'll see what happens, how it all shakes out with, with people buying sets in the future. Um, but, but, you know, he's, 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 uh, gone all in, you know, as a returning player and, uh, uh, I love seeing that. I love seeing that passion. I love seeing somebody, you know, stepping up and being a big part of the community. Um, getting to know Troy, you know, Troy's a guy who I saw on the boards because, you know, it seems like a, he, he's able to post every five seconds. I'm like, how do you have the time? Uh, but, but getting to, to know him a little bit, have him on the show and talk to him. So cool. Been such a blast. And, and you know, what a, what a great guy. Um, I know that there are names that I've missed, and and I do apologize. It's, I, you know, it's not an intentional slight on anyone, uh, but I just wanted to kind of extemporaneously, you know, thank some people, talk talk about some people that that have have been a lot on this journey over the past year, and and I think are great members of this community, as as is everyone. You know, I mean, the we wouldn't have the community if it wasn't for each and every one of us, and and I think that um, it's great, you know, uh, to to have that in a time where. Even now, unfortunately, there's still, I, I think, a lot of feelings of being, being a little separate, a little apart, a little, a little, um, 
other than normal. And to be able to have this, I think, has really made a difference for a lot of people. And I know that I am one of those people. So I am, I'm so grateful for, for all of you. Um, and, I am, and I am naturally grateful for Tom Filsinger himself. I keep saying that, Tom Filsinger himself. I don't know why I had himself. Like, it's not necessary. It just happens. Himself. Uh, so himself, uh, you know, getting to have conversations w- with him, um, that we've shared with you and, and interviewing him at the cons, uh, has been a thrill. You know, I, I started off as like a 12, 13 year old kid playing this game and, uh, his, you know, it's his name on the books, you know, and, and, and here I am 30 years later, uh, having conversations, uh, with him and talking about the game and getting to ask questions that I've always wanted to, you know, to ask, um, and share that with you. And that's been a huge thrill. Um, Mike Molesky, man, Mike, Mike is a great guy. Mike, Mike is a guy who calls you the morning after you record a podcast because he thought maybe you seemed a little down. Uh, you know, Mike is the guy that checks in on you randomly, uh, saying, yeah, I just was, you know, I was thinking about you and your family and just wanted to check in and say hi and see how you guys were doing. Uh, Mike is a good human and, uh, it has been, um, so great getting to know him, getting to appreciate his, his sense of humor, uh, his, his sarcasm and, uh, and you know, his love and passion for the game. Um, it, it, you know, I don't know, I, I genuinely mean this. I don't know that there's anyone who takes Phil Singer games as a whole as seriously as Mike Molesky. And I don't mean that like he's very serious. He's, you know, he's, he's not, but I think that I don't know that there's anyone else that takes it quite as seriously as Mike. You know, it's, 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 it's still real to him, damn it. Uh, and, and I love that about him. And I appreciate that so much because we have, uh, you know, we have a hell of a hand at the wheel and, and, and I, and I do, and I do kind of look at it sometimes, you know, is that, you know, Mike, Mike is really, you know, kind of guiding the ship a lot of the time. Um, and, and just does some amazing, incredible work for, for all of us. And, uh, He's a great guy, and I get to say this because he's not on the show this week, uh, and I've got I've got a live mic. Um, and then last, but certainly not least, the tournament master, Todd Gershel. Todd has become uh, a really damn good friend. Uh, I have been able to spend hours, hours on the phone with him over the past year, uh, where sometimes we're not talking about this game at all. Uh, you know, we might be talking about Star Wars or the MCU. We might be talking about kids and family. And, um, that has been so incredibly meaningful to me. And, and Todd is so hardworking and, and just as passionate and, and takes it just as seriously as, as Mike does. And, uh, I think, you know, having the two of them work as hard as they do to, you know, to keep this ship afloat and, and to, to really kind of shepherd all of these wonderful products into your hands, um, I, I don't think they get enough credit, quite frankly. Um, and again, you know, Todd's just a great human and, uh, I, I value his friendship and his voice, uh, a lot, you know, very, very highly. And I am so fortunate to be able to do this podcast with him and Mike when he decides to show up. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, uh, I just, I can't thank them enough for having me along for the ride, for inviting me to be uh, a part of all of this. And it, it has been, um, it has been wonderful. And 2021 has been you know, a banner year in a lot of ways for Phil Singer Games. And let me tell you, 2022, I think, is going to be even better. There's some 
awesome stuff on the horizon. Stuff that you know about, like the Ringside Companion Volume 2, and stuff that I cannot wait to share. Uh, conversations I know that will be happening on this podcast, and it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be a great year. So, um, dare I say, it might even be better than the last year. I think it will be better. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna say dare I say it, and I'm not gonna say I think it, it's gonna be better than 2021, and that's a high freaking bar to clear. Uh, I didn't want to get too blue there, you know, just because the parents are away and all. I feel like I shouldn't cuss too much, but anyway. Um, Thank you guys so much. I mean it. Each and every single one of you that are listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Without listeners, we're just, you know, guys talking into the void. And uh, who knows what's on that void. Might be Miramis, might be Darkseid. I I don't know. Uh, Anyway, um, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Have a, have a safe, safe rest of 2021 and a safe beginning to 2022. Take care of yourselves and one another. Um, much love to everyone in this community. Uh, I appreciate you. Keep the dice rolling, and we will be back next week with a brand new episode.